Hey, Ryan, we want to remind people that we have uh, created a LinkedIn group for the Digital Broker Podcast. Both Ryan and I monitor the comments and questions that are there. The episodes are posted there. Uh, Comment on a particular episode if there's something you didn't understand, something we didn't explain well enough, a question you might have. Uh, go ahead and leave those comments there, and we'll uh, we'll monitor those, we'll respond to those, and we may post our own questions to you um, well, as you as you uh, go to the group. So, to join, you just go go into the search bar. It's on the top left of that LinkedIn screen. Uh, search for Digital Broker Podcast, and and make sure you choose groups. And then uh, you'll need to request to join, and we'll uh, quickly uh, get that approved as fast as we can. And then you'll be part of that group and able to. Uh, interact with us, ask questions, and let us know what you think. And as we see stuff, we'll give you a shout out, like uh, Olivia Smith. I think she's our like super fan, you know, <laughs> but she had a great, great comment on how to leverage data effectively, and it's something that we'll, we'll have a podcast on. But I think both you and I, Steve, we want to have a community. You know, we don't want to be talking at people. We want to be talking with people. And this is a way that we can build that community. I'm all about collaboration. I feel like you have a collaborative spirit. That's why we get along so effectively. And we want to bring these agencies and these folks that want to help make it better into this space. And so that's what it's about. So I'll try to, 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 to post stuff in there. But please don't be afraid to, to post any questions, anything you want. You know, let's, let's make it really cool for 2019. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. Take all your applications, put them into one electronic form, send that electronic form to your client, and Indio software will populate back to all those applications. Yeah, I'm going to add, um, I was just on the NetView income forum, and somebody had asked a question about Indio, and current user uh, wrote this back. I just copied it out. We are using Indio and absolutely love it. It's a way of automating, managing, and streamlining the application process. Uh, So that's from an actual user. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Hello, I'm Steve Anderson here with my co-host Ryan Deeds, and uh, we are at another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast today. Uh, Ryan, it's uh, always great to be with you. I think I say that almost every time, but, but it's actually true. That's right, because it is awesome <laughs> to be with me. You yeah, know. I know. I We're know. getting close to our year mark, too. I, you know, you know, it's we, exciting. We are. We're, uh, I guess, I'm not sure what episode this will be, but we're kind of getting up there. It's uh, it's something we're, we're keeping going, which I think I'm enjoying it. Um, I am, too. I'm learning a lot, you know. I'm with yeah. the master. And so yeah, what are you do? I don't know about that. <laughs> but, uh, and, and those of you listening, we hope you are um, also enjoying it. Uh, so with that, we have a, a guest on the uh, a line with us today, Ryan, and I'll uh, let you uh, introduce him. So we have Eric from Couch Bransdorf with us out of New Jersey, Eric Wistrom. He's one of my my besties. I was up with him in November, and uh, 
a fun fact about Eric, he has a pet pig, which my children were delighted that I'd send pictures of. And I think your pig's name is Maggie. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah little Maggie. Okay, there's got to be a story there I'm not sure we have time for, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. I think that's really, uh, it, it is unique. That's so. right. Well, Eric is a unique guy. And so today, Eric, well, we, we really wanted to talk about process of e-payments and some of the some of the things that you went through to get that adopted into your organization and kind of how that came to fruition. And I guess the first question I have is, you know, at, at what point did the organization make the call to say, hey, we need to offer this as an option? Well, yeah, I'd uh, be happy to get to that question for sure. I, I just want to take a, a quick second to thank you guys uh, for having me on. I really love your podcast. This is, uh, it's, it's actually one of those things that uh, after my first time on the podcast, I, I really couldn't stop myself from every time I get in the car checking the podcast on my iPhone to see if there's a new digital broker podcast with you guys. It's been really incredibly helpful in, in helping us create some operational efficiencies and really drive towards operational excellence. So I just want to thank you for the effort that you guys are going through to do that. Also want to say good morning. Good morning, Steve, uh, and good morning, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, pleasure. Thanks for that, Eric. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Love hearing that. Love it. And uh, to, to your question, at, at what point did we decide to, to explore electronic payments? It really happened about mid-year. This past year, we were starting to do a lot more agency bill business, a lot more transactional small business, so excess and surplus lines. And in order for that to operate efficiently, we realized that we, we needed to look at that quoting process and look at that binding process and keep it as paperless as possible and, and really put the the tools in the hands of our account managers, our new business coordinators, so that they could, throughout the entire process, not really have to wait on anyone else in the organization. In the past, we would get like an EFT form authorized by the insured where they'd put their, their authorization to us saying that we could draw money out of their bank account. And we'd send that over to our accounting department. It would sit in the queue, and then our accounting department would process it. There were just too many touches in that process. So when we started to do a vendor analysis of companies that could help us do electronic payments, one of the things we wanted to be able to do is take ACHs electronically uh, that were initiated by the customer and have that money flow right into our bank account. Um, the, the, the other thing we wanted to do was collect payments via credit card. And that's something that we had thought about in the past um, and thought it would be a nice value add for our customers to make a credit card payment, especially if they had missed the payment and needed their coverage reinstated. And the carrier that we were working with uh, on that particular risk may not have accepted credit card. We thought that that would be something that would uh, give our insurers another option as far as how they could make that payment. Yeah, that makes that, so absolutely. So it was driven really by the enhancement of the customer experience and then the operational touch points that you were having to incur the old way, in short, right? Yeah, in, in short, it was certainly driven by improving customer experience. We've had customers ask us in the past, that, with, with uh, increasing frequency, 
you know, would, would you take credit cards? Um, and they ask that because they want to earn points on their their credit cards. They want to earn miles, things like that. Sure. They may not have the, the money up front to, to make that payment, and they may not want to go down the route of premium financing. Um, so this offers a, a yet another option. Uh, I was intrigued with your comment that you you were increasing your agency bill. Is that just because of lines of business you were writing or any other reason? A segment of it is changes in lines of business. The other the other side of it is uh, geographic differences. So we, part of our business is a wholesale style business. Okay, yeah. Where we're working with outside <clears throat> agencies to place difficult to place risks. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, direct bill is not an option, and we're agency billing it. So as we do more of those transactions, we realize that it was critically important to increase the operational efficiency of those and reduce the friction in those processes. So who in the organization kind of spearheaded this, or, or how did it percolate up? Did it come from you? Did it come from you know other management team I, I'm, it, was it, it driven by finance? I mean, what, yeah, who owned this? You know, ultimately or pushed it, right? Somebody, somebody said there was some pain there, and one of the things that Steve and I are trying to figure out is, you know, in an organization, who's the champion behind this thing? You know, many things come through pain, as you said, right? So we had actually gotten a lot of bumps and scrapes and bruises, as you like to say, Ryan. You, you know, you, you, you fail a lot more than you succeed. We do that probably a lot more than you fail. We tend uh, to scrape our knees a little bit on the agency bill and surplus process. So uh, before I answer the direct question of who the champion was, um, I want to walk you guys through a little bit of a scenario. Okay. Um, in the past, we would be going ahead and binding a surplus policy, and as everybody in an agency knows, agency bill business, you typically don't bind without payment, right? right. That's one of those <laughs> things you really need, right? <clears throat> Otherwise, you could be stuck on the on the hook for uh, remitting the the earned policy fee to the wholesaler you're working with or to the, the the carrier you're working with. You could be on the hook for remitting the minimum earned premium. Uh, in some cases, that you know, here in the Northeast, we have policies called snowplow policies that uh, will cover the person doing the snowplowing against any liability they may incur or any property damage they may they may create. And typically, they're 100% minimum earned. Mm-hmm. So the moment you put the policy in force, that insured is on the hook for the entire policy premium. And by extension, if it's minimum earned, the agent that placed the coverage is on the hook for that. And that's really no fun if you haven't collected money in full uh, prior to binding. So as a general rule, us as an agency, we tended to focus on collecting that money up front. And because it was a manual process of collecting that ACH form and that ACH form then sitting in our accounting group, we ended up uh, with some fall downs there where we wouldn't process payment for whatever reason. Maybe the uh, checking account routing numbers were not validated and they weren't correct. Or it was perhaps a manual check that the insured wrote out to us and then sent in the mail. And that would tend to slow down the binding process, right, because that check has to come in to us. It has to go into accounting. It has to be deposited. Then we can move forward with binding. Now, those are little things. And, and as, as with anything, it's almost death by a thousand cuts. Mm. If you think about the amount of money or the amount of time, the amount of investment it takes for an agency to process a check, 
I would argue that it's about thirty dollars for each mm. check. Okay. That may seem high, but in reality, you got to think of how that check gets processed. Right? It comes in. It usually comes in via mail. So you have that check. You have to have someone that may, maybe in your mail room or at your front desk break that mail open, date stamp it, route it to the appropriate place. In most agencies, that routing occurs where checks are then distributed back to the account managers or the new business coordinators that are binding those risks so that they can move forward with the binding and give that check to accounting. When it's in accounting, accounting then goes and tags it to the, uh, the, the what's called the client cash receipt in our management system. Mm-hmm. And then they do a batch deposit every day that scans all those checks into the bank, and then the bank processes those checks. Now, that's, that's in the perfect world, right, where there's uh, no <laughs> malfeasance or no, no checks bouncing. or and You can find uh, all the checks, and there's nothing lost. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So that's in the perfect world. There are exceptions, right, which create rework in that process. But what I just mentioned there, we had calculated out with our stopwatches. We figured out that there was a lot of uh, actual people time built into that process. So that was one of the impetuses for getting us into looking at electronic payments, because thinking that, well, if we could take you know, a, a payment via a website or some web mechanism, and that would come out of the insured's account and into ours and alert our management system that the money has come in and write the the cash receipt into our Sajita management system, we thought that would be something that would be pretty cool because that would effectively take that cost per transaction way, way down from $30 of our initial estimate. And and it would limit a lot of the, the exceptions as well, right? That's right, because it's more put back on the customer to enter their information correctly, especially in the credit card scenario. The tool, uh, tools that are out there to do this validate the credit card number before they process, and they actually pre-authorize it so that when you're getting the money, there's very little chance it's going to be taken back later. Right? In the same way with ACHs, there are vendors out there that will validate that the routing number is an acceptable routing number and validate that the account number matches a, a typical account number. So if someone's just entering, you know, randomized uh, routing numbers, you know, and just putting garbage in there, they won't be able to make the payment. Whereas in an old, uh, in, our, in our former state of our ACH process, the customer could have given us a, a bogus routing number or maybe there was no malfeasance and they just put a, a number in incorrectly. They read an eight as a six or whatever it may be and put that on the form. And if our accounting pro- department processed it, then we maybe five days later have an exception pop up that says no accounts available to pull this money from. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have to go through a process of collection. Well, and that's uh, one of the issues with ACH, isn't it? It's 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 not a real time transaction, and it's it's processed, um, and ACH can bounce just like any other, just like a paper check, if there's not sufficient funds there. So there's not a validation up front, uh, as you said, like the credit card, where they pre authorize the credit card um, amount, so you know that there's um, a credit available on the a card or the debit card. Yeah, there's also some compliance elements to this. We had looked at processing credit cards on our own, and 
in businesses like insurance where it's a, a commission-based business, the credit card fees, when they're charged to the agent, are pretty extensive. They can be 3 to 4%. Mm-hmm. So the, the challenge there is that, in many cases, can be 50% of your commission. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right? So, so you, it's very difficult to do that on a sustainable basis. Vendors that are out there will uh, forward that charge to the customer, and they can do that legally because they're not insurance agents. And they keep you in compliance in all 50 states. It's their job as the payment processor to monitor that compliance, meaning and, and extending from there, you don't have to be PCI compliant. As the agent, as the agent, you mean. The, but the, the vendor would have to be. The, just the agent the vendor, wouldn't. Absolutely, yeah. that's their job. They need to be PCI compliant. And the vendors that you, you will see out there in the marketplace for this type of service will all be PCI compliant. Yeah, and just to be clear, you know, for those listening, PCI compliance is uh, payment card uh, industry compliance. Uh, it is a very uh, strenuous process. There are different levels there. Um, the top level is level one uh, in terms of data security of that credit card information. And, and it can be expensive and is a very uh, rigorous uh, process to go through to become PCI compliant. So. Uh, it really is not something that you want to do as an agent or broker. Uh, it's just outside your core competency. So going to a third party uh, to, to handle that for you is certainly a, a very um, – a much easier way to go about it. Yeah, it's much easier and the, the security is, is much better than an agent on their own would be able to provide. As you mentioned, core competency. We're, we're here to uh, sell insurance counsel are insureds about coverage we're here to keep their information safe right but we the credit card information is just something an agent really shouldn't touch in my opinion yeah yeah no i agree totally the, the less that we can touch the 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 better it is i mean and i think that's like you said you know that because today payment processing it seems pretty straightforward um, but it with insurance, it's not. There's so many different regulations and rules, and having a partner to help you through that, um, that seems like it was a critical strategy for you guys. Yeah, certainly. And, and the, the when we did a vendor analysis and we, we started to look at some of the various options out there, we noticed that they're, they're doing – you know, helpful and unique things to the agent, right? They're they're providing the funding of that transaction the next day, and they're providing it net of any fees. So it's not like they're collecting the premium plus the fees and then remitting premium plus the fees to us and then taking it out, which in some states would be uh, out of compliance because agents can't charge fees in, in cases in addition to insurance. Um, yeah, and that's what's unique about insurance agencies, aspect. Yeah, it, it is part of that compliance, and it is often state by state, so there's not a, a single compliance standard, uh, which, you know, is our 50-state uh, insurance regulation um, process. So if you, if you right. just as a question, I mean, you know, if you, what state do you have to comply with? If you write insurance in 50 states, do you have to comply with all of those states' abilities, or is it where your corporate headquarters is? It, it, it would you, be where the client... To... Oh, it's where the client. Yeah. Uh, Eric, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, Steve, excuse me. I'm sorry. You are correct. 
uh, it is wherever the client is. Um, much like licensing, you know, it's where the, the risk state is, where the client state is, and where you're soliciting. In, in the case of collecting payments and things like that, especially charging fees, policy fees to customers, they're different in all 50 states. Right. And the requirements for charging are different. So you may need to get a signed form in some states. Some states may not care. Uh, you know, and that's that's where, you know, partnering with somebody that uh, has done that research and understands the, the insurance, really it's trust accounting. Um, that's right. Compliance uh, state by state to make sure that um, the organization, your agency, is is complying with the regulations in each state that you have business or do business. Do you, do you mind if I walk through how the payment process looks? Um, Actually, I was going to ask yeah, that's, you. That's where I was headed. And, yeah. and, and I really have two questions. Uh, one is, do you provide this through your website? So you had mentioned earlier, they fill in the information uh, and or do you provide it through the account manager who can do it on behalf of? So, how, yeah, go walk through how you do it. Absolutely. So um, we have a, a, a few different uh, channels for this. We like to, to be as multi-channel as we can um, to give our insureds options, right? One of those options is on our client portal. So a client will log in. They'll see the uh, heads-up display of their account, any policies they have under there, and any invoicing. So if they have an open receivable, they'll see that or if, if we have an invoice outstanding that they need to pay, they'll see that within their account. And we've integrated with this, this one partner that we're using to provide a link on there where they can click on the link and it passes through their client code, which is how we identify them within our Sajita system, and their zip code. And when it passes that through, the vendor we're working with has an integration into our Sajita system that then pulls up any open invoice and presents that to the customer and says, Hello, customer, you owe $5,000. And it could be one invoice. It could be 10 invoices. It could have offsetting credits and debits. So you may have a, uh, a new business transaction invoice followed by a negative endorsement that happens sometime after. And you may have a net premium due of, let's say, $4,000 or whatever it is. The insured can choose to pay whatever amount that they wish to pay. Uh, either in full or in, port, in part. Um, and these are all settings you can tweak on, on your side. Um, we, we just typically would have them uh, pay the invoice as it is set out there. And if there's installments, they can pay and choose the installment they wish to pay. Really, really neat stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's did, let me interrupt you a second. So in Sajida, <clears throat> is that part of what you... Uh, your team uh, did the integration with, or did the uh, third party do the integration for that point? So the third party, um, because we were on Sajita and they already have an integration, uh, okay. uh, they, yeah. they were able to use all the, the, the programming that they built in the past and really just in five minutes sign us up using our web services. So their, their website goes ahead and queries our Sajita system and says, hey, do you have any open invoices for Ryan Deeds? And Sajita talks back to it and says, yes, I, I have two. And then it displays the total amount due on those invoices on that page in real time. Mm -hmm. So okay. 
the insured then selects the invoices they want to pay. They get a total amount, and they choose to pay through credit card or ACH. And then once they've entered their information, they hit submit. It sends them a receipt, and it sends us the confirmation that the insured has made a payment. And typically in an agency bill scenario, then we'd move forward with the binding of that coverage. Okay. That's one of the channels. The, the other channel, so I mentioned the, the client portal channel. Mm-hmm. The other channel is when we have, let's say, a midterm endorsement and the account managers working through that midterm endorsement, they're maybe adding a vehicle or a location on an agency bill policy. They, they may have a, a quote from that carrier to add that location, and they're sending that down to the customer, and they're saying, hey, customer, if you want to move forward with this, I need you to follow this link in the email. So what we've done internally is put that link inside of our Sajita system. So when you're at the client screen, the, the account manager can hit a button, and that would generate an email to the insured. And in the body of the email, it would say, hey, to make a payment on, on your policy, please click on this link and follow the instructions. And then it follows the exact same process I described earlier where the page shows all their open invoices. Now, that's how we put it in the hands of the account manager. There's another channel that really, really we we needed a whole lot of help with, and that is dunning an accounts receivable. (laughs) So every agency struggles with this. Our our vendors at the the Vertifor and Applied level have tried to create some solutions for it by introducing dunning letters and some automation there. I don't think either vendor has, has gone quite far enough to make that easy for the agent. But what's happened is some of these payment collection vendors that, that we're referring to here have really helped out with that. So what we've done is, is we've looked at the reporting of our open receivables by client. And we've said if any open receivable goes beyond 60 days, we want to generate an automated email to that client from their account manager and copying their producer. And that email goes out and says, hey, just as a quick reminder, we have this attached invoice that's past due. Please, at your convenience, remit payment using the link below. And so that is kind of a hands-off sort of process that runs every day in the background. And it attempts to go through that dunning and collections process. And what we've found is that if you make it easy to make that payment and you stay in front of that insured, they will make that payment a whole lot faster. Mm-hmm. So the, the more you can do to make it hands-off from accounting's perspective or the account manager's perspective, um, the, the easier your order-to-cash cycle becomes. Eric, do you have any, uh, really following up on that comment, do you have any, I don't know, statistics or, or feel for... Yeah, what was your DNOC rate before you yes. implemented and after <laughs> you implemented? I mean, that's, that you know, you may not have that today, but tomorrow, I expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, can, I can give you a feel. I, don't hold me to hard numbers just because I don't have them in front of me. We, we've reduced our uh, average AR timing. From about 45 days to just under 30. Doesn't sound like a big change. It is. But what it's done, what it's done is it's really tightened up our accounts receivable. Sure. And that, that, it's not just the dunning that's done that. Um, it's, it's more about the upfront process.
sure we're collecting that payment in advance of the binding, as opposed to our new business coordinators being uh, in receipt of uh, an, an EFT form and thinking that that means they have the payment. When, when I describe that, that, that previous state process, one of the things that, that was a fall down was when the new business coordinator got that ACH authorization, they'd, they'd think in their mind that they have payment and they can move forward with binding. But it's not true because in that process, there are things that happen after that new business coordinator gets that form. It has to go to accounting. It sits in accounting in, the, in, a, in a batch or in a queue, and then it has to be worked by accounting. And anywhere in that handoff, something could go wrong. Right. And and payment not even be requested. Right, but I mean, I think right. that I think sure. that the, the key tactical takeaways for agencies are, <laughs> you know, if they have clients requesting, if they have operational friction in in that process of getting the payments, those are the indicators they should be looking at to say, okay, we need to really start exploring the vendors that are out there and the solutions that are out there. And I mean, it doesn't sound like it took you two years to implement it sounds like it took you six months ish to to get that knocked out it was a strategic decision and then you're netting the gain of that by not only being able to reduce friction from internal operations increase your ability to collect payment on time but also reduces ar which creates uh is always a positive it's kind of just financial health yeah and and your comment was you know make it easy for clients to pay yeah i mean bottom line that's that's what you need to be looking at. So we just appreciate your time today, Eric. And, uh, you know, your insight is always invaluable, my brother. <laughs> appreciate your time, guys. I, I thanks again for having me on. This is a fun topic. I'm going to make sure I check off number two. Uh, <laughs> my times I've appeared on the Digital Broker Podcast. Right. That's awesome. I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. Thank so you guys if, for- um, if people have a question or a follow-up, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, the best way is just reach out to me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email. We'll include my, my email in the, the show notes. All right. That sounds great. Thanks hey, a lot, Eric. Appreciate it, brother. Yep. Thanks, guys. Hey, take, take care. care. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Post your questions and comments at the Digital Broker Podcast official LinkedIn group page. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio allows agencies to turn their application and renewal process into a fully digital, modern customer experience. The platform comes armed with a preloaded database of smart digital insurance forms and applications, an e-signature solution, auto-generated proposals, and secure document sharing. To learn more about Indio, go to www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's useindio.com slash podcast.